right, what's up? You have just tuned in with the School Tea with Pool and D. Hey, I'm Pool. Hey, I'm Andy. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening. How is everyone tonight? Glad to see you all. Um, our main topic this evening will, will be about engagement, parent engagement. What does that look like? How has it looked over the years? What should it look like? What do teachers think it should look like? What do parents think it should look like? So we're gonna start out with an article, right? And so the article is entitled, What If Parents Got a Grade for Involvement? And this is happening uh, right now in, well, it's not happening right now, but it was a, a article of contention a couple of years ago in Mississippi. And so what they wanted to do, they wanted to pass a bill that would allow teachers in low performing school districts to grade parental involvement on student report cards, student report cards, and they wanted to make sure that students had, that um, that would be inclusive of homework, instruction, and cursive writing, and professional dress code for teachers in those schools. <sighs> um, I don't know about the student report card aspect. Um, that's huge because I've heard in various um, spaces where either in private or charter and even in public, has been asked on several occasions, what do you think about parents being graded? And I don't know how fair that is. Um, part of the article, it talks about how they did research in um, high performing schools versus low performing schools. Um, but I was saying to uh, D, you have to look at the economic aspect of it as well, as far as where do the parents work? Is it white collared? Is it blue collar? those factor in as well. A lot of times white collar parents are able to have volunteer hours with their jobs. So therefore they could take off and be a part of the school's volunteer programs or come up and spend time at the schools. Whereas if you're a blue collar service, service field individual, you don't have that kind of time. So when you look at certain um, data points, you need to have other aspects that you focus on as well. A lot of times in minority based schools, or populated schools, you have a lot of blue collar or service-based parents. And those parents don't have those options that so-called higher achieving school parents may have. So a lot of times when you look at certain articles, you have to factor those things in. So to say, well, let's put a report card grade on, on parents and their involvement and leave it up to the teachers, just like they do everything else for students, I don't know how fair that would be for, for the parents. I mean, you know, from a teacher perspective, teachers would have been like, well, yeah, we should grade them because every time I can't do my job, then the parents shouldn't be able to do their job. But you know, I know some teachers would be like, well, I want to grade a teacher based off of their response time or when I call and the phone number is, is off or when I can't get in touch with somebody or when I call them, they hang up on me or when I ask them to come up to the school, they want to be combative. Um, you know, it's just, and it's always just, and I'm saying that because I want to look at the different perspectives, right? We're right. always, right. we've been created to think this way. <laughs> So, which meant that there was a system in place that taught people that ultimately parents send kids to school, parents were supposed to show up for school or parents don't show up for school and it's the school's job, right? Depending on the dynamic of the school system. Correct. So because of that, 
we always have to play off of this this opposite of well what if parents did get grade letters and what if they what if we gave them an unsatisfactory what if we gave them a needs improvement based off of their parental involvement for their own child and so when you send students to school the question is what is the expectation that a parent has um you know i think taking a step back we can all say that parents are involved right i think at some point, parents are involved. And I know people, you know, teachers may disagree with that, but listen, when a parent sends their child to school and they got to school that day, then they were involved maybe to an extent of making sure they were there. Uh, they were involved in the fact that they had to uh, make sure that they were enrolled in school. They had to make sure they were involved in filling out the paperwork for them to get to class. Um, you know, you talk about involvement, right? Like they knew they were involved when the student missed the bus and they had to bring them to school. Correct. So at some point, depending on what side of the glass that you're looking at, they were involved. Now, what we're not intentional about in the education sector is what, the, what is the expectation and the, of the level of involvement. So because I did not respond to the teacher does not mean that I'm not involved as a parent. But the teacher could go back and then say, what? Well, they didn't show up for parent conference, so they're not involved. Right. I've called three times, they're not involved. Again, the level of engagement has to now come from what the expectation is that I have as a teacher. And, it, and I, I think that's the problem, right? I think everybody can have their own standard of what parent involvement is. So when you talk about what is in parent involvement inclusive, if I ask 10 different people, 10 people, 10 different people will tell me probably one of the same things that meaning parents are actively engaged in their student success. But what does that look like in A, B, C, and D? If they do one, two, three, four, and five things, what does that look like? So what would that look like? Correct. So what, what's happening is you have um, basically what you're saying, perspective. And you have some people who feel like volunteering is parent involvement. Some feel like mentoring is parent involvement. Some feel like a dad's club is parent involvement. Some feel like um, when I call you to come to the school because we have an issue with your child, it's parent involvement. The problem is everybody has a different perspective of it. And it comes from either your upbringing or what you're taught um, by mentor teachers to expect from parents or what you as a parent who may be an educator think that another parent should do. Um, what's crazy is that being in education, I've had colleagues who I would define as terrible parents when it comes to their own kids, but they have expectations of their students' parents that aren't the same as the ones that they have. Um, and that's the crazy part about it because I've worked in, in schools or worked with people where they would do home visits and then they would see why the parent involvement wasn't there. It wasn't that the parent wasn't willing, it was that the parent didn't have the knowledge base or they didn't um, have an understanding of the expectation for the school or the teachers. It wasn't that the parent um, wasn't trying, they just didn't have the resources to either make it to the school or to communicate. But sometimes that gets, that gets lost in um, translation when you as an educator wants to reach out to a parent about a student and that student may have either some good or bad things that you want to discuss with the parent or some things that you're really concerned about. I'm learning or I've learned over the years that educators and parents sometimes have a disconnect because 
it's either based on how you feel about the child or the outcome for the child mm -hmm. and the parent's belief of what the school should be doing and what the parent feel like they shouldn't have to do. So there are some disconnects in understanding. I think a lot of school districts, I've seen private school districts and charter school districts have contracts where they hold parents responsible for a certain amount of hours um, to volunteer or mentor. And they hold you to that. I think that might be something that most school districts need to look at. But in that process, you're outlining what your expectations are. It's kind of like a relationship. If you have a desired um, outcome, but you never tell me what that desired outcome looks like to you, and I'm doing what I've always been doing, how are you holding me accountable for something when you haven't explained to me what it is, the expectation is, or we've worked through the process to make sure we're on the same page for that expectation. And I think that's where the breakdown a lot of times between parenting for teachers' perspective of parenting and what the parents feel like they should be doing for their students in the schools. You know, here's another example. Uh, let's use the example of the gym. So for me, I don't go to the gym as often <laughs> as I should. And when I go, I may do 45 minutes at the most. I know there are people who go to the gym every day and they're there at least two hours every day. Um, and there are people who fall in between that. Um, who is the accountability holder as to say, if I am involved or concerned about my physical well-being, my mental well-being, meaning my weights, and my health because ultimately if i'm doing something that no that means that i've i am aware that there is an issue right like i know that i need to do these things in order to maintain a healthy lifestyle right. because i don't do it to the to the intensity and the maximum amount that another person would doesn't make me less involved in trying to figure out my own health and well-being and we've taken their perspective, if you take that example and add it or layer it on parental involvement, we have created these standards to what you just said in your head as to if you're doing this five days a week and you're involved, that means you're in, you're an involved parent. Um, again, that's why I said, it, I think it goes back to because schools have not defined that. If I'm a school and I said, here's what parental involvement looks like. That means I need you to read to your, your student 30 minutes a night. I need to make sure that they give five vocabulary words and I need you parents to make sure that they know those vocabulary words. They need to, they know the definitions of them. They know how to spell them or whatever else, right? I need you as a parent to make sure that when it's time to have the opportunity to volunteer at your child's school, that we need at least two hours from you each semester. If we created clear guidelines as to here's how you are involved, but it does not make you less involved because I'm not here every day or because I don't read to my student 30 minutes a day. We're giving guidelines as to saying, if you do these things well, you help support what we're doing here at school. I think, you know, and, and so, but the question goes back to who holds them accountable if the children are not doing that? Because the teacher's gonna say, well, they still come to school and the paper all balled up. The kids said, I didn't read nothing. I watched Abbott Elementary last night. You know, they still said, oh, I did what, you know, I played my video game last night. The expectation 
is still set. And so when we talk about how is this enforced, then the things are that teachers have gotten away from some of the things we do, like calling parents. Like, listen, I know there's superstar teachers out there, but I promise you if I polled 100 teachers, at least 80 of them would say, I have not made consistent contact with my parents. True story. So how do you ensure that if you're not gonna do what you do on your end, it's kind of like we both giving up on both sides, right? <laughs> like if I call them, they're not gonna answer the teacher. Say, if I go up there, she gonna always only say, call on you, call me when you've done something bad. Like if people have those feelings coming into a setting, then we can be no better than coming to the middle. Then it's adult behaviors. Let's just start calling what it is. It's adult behaviors that are keeping us from doing what we're supposed to do. And so at the end of the day, what has the district laid out as to say, this is what parental involvement looks like in our district. Cause we talk about high performance schools. You know, everybody wants a high performance school. We want our children to go to high performance schools, but we always think it's somebody else's duty for it to become that instead of just internalizing who we are and what we didn't do or what we, what we didn't do, right? Like that's usually what happens. When we didn't do something, this is the consequence from it. But you know, the decision of that, we talked about, you know, just getting getting a little more relaxed with this, right? Um, you know, we've come to a space where parents are the first advocate for their students. But I think in so many times that we have created this negative stereotype of school, we already came with this negative being that my child is gonna be singled out or uh, when my child is called on that they're not getting what they need. So all it does is it uh, intensifies what I'm already feeling from my past relationships. A lot of us are school hurt. You know, when we listen, and let's be for real, if we could talk about grownups now, there are people right now working three to four jobs who, and when you get to your real grown life, you realize somebody failed you. Like at some point you just say, I failed myself, or there were people along the way who probably could have helped me prevent, prevent me from working three jobs. Now I'm not talking about people who decided to, you know, again, life happens, but for most of us, if there were people in place, especially when we were in school, who guided us different, different directions, not because of what we made, but because of who they wanted us to see, wanted us to become, or really asked us what did we want to become. Oh, I'm going to be honest. How many times did they ask you what you want to be when you grow up? Very few. After you got very out of elementary, right? Very few. <laughs> like, elementary, I think we said it all the time, but we didn't even know what that meant. So I'm saying to that extent, somewhere someone failed that parent when they were a child. Like, think about it. Like, the only way I can have this animosity towards a system is for one, from for one, my lived experiences, but then also the experiences that became reality when I saw it play out again in my offspring. Yeah, you're right. I think what's happened with parenting and education is that instead of parents becoming advocates for their children and for the school, they become advocates for their kids, but adversaries for the school. And what that looks like is they're on defense a lot of times because either like Dee was saying, they've had bad experiences themselves. And in their mind, I may not put my child in the same school district or same community in which I grew up in, but even though I'm putting them in a school, I'm still going to advocate defensively for my child. And that's a rough situation to go into um, as a child and as a parent. And when, when we look at parenting, the, the first responsibility of any parent is to be the guardian, the, the, the gatekeeper for their child. Um, so when you tie that or couple that with education, um, it shouldn't be um, what I would consider an obstacle. It shouldn't be a, a banter. It should be actually synergy. 
And a lot of that goes back to what I was saying earlier about we need to have a true understanding of what my expectations are as a parent from the school district and what the, the school district is expecting from me as a parent. And when you have that, you literally can have, regardless if it's a high performance school with white collar workers or low performance school. Um, before I got into education, what I would say in depth, I, I started off as a hall monitor and then I became a community liaison. And as a liaison, I worked in a certain part of Dallas, which was low performance and lower socioeconomic. And I was responsible for PTSAs. But what I would ask the parents were, and it was a joke at first, but it threw me. I would ask them, raise your hand if you take off for your birthday to go get your hair and nails done. And half the parents that were females would raise their hand. And then I would say, raise your hand if you take off to volunteer at your kid's school. And it would probably be like two or three parents. And then I asked them why. And just like D said, it was more or less something that they felt based on what they experienced as a child going through grade school themselves. So now my next step was, how do I make you comfortable in volunteering? How do I make you comfortable when the teacher calls and being receptive to the phone call versus being on guard because you know they're calling for something, what you would define as negative as a parent for your child. So now as a, as a school district or as a school, we need to work together, teachers, there used to be a saying, you don't just call a house when the child is having issues. You should call a house when the child is doing great. Right. That helps to bridge the gap as well. Absolutely. That makes that teacher more you know, prone to listen to things when you call them for the negative. Those parents or all parents just want the best for their kids. I don't know a parent like they used to tell us that ain't sending you their best, period. The best they know how to coach, the best they know how to teach, the best they know how to raise. They're doing their best. A lot of times as educators, sometimes we forget that in our own frustration, but we forget that we haven't given our parents our own expectations too. And I've learned to do that over the years. Hey, these are the things that my expectation, or these are my expectations for your student. And these are the things I would expect from you. What, do you, what are these things you think you can do or, with, or, was with, or which is within your grasp? Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you what I can and cannot do. And when you meet them there, you have levels of success. And I think that's where we have a shortfall is where we forget to sit down and have those conversations. Yeah, you know, parents are not sending the bad ones to school and leaving the good ones at home. You know, I don't think nobody picks and chooses from that. Um, but, but I also know that, again, because of that, the school has to do a better job of communicating when that child is doing something great, when they're doing something good, when they've done something better than they did it the day before, no matter how small it is. And if we can't find the time to celebrate the, the small things, then I don't know why we keep expecting the big things out of people. Like At the end of the day, my son knows that, you know, I expect to hear good calls from him. You know, I think it's sometimes, and here's the thing, even if you have A students, it's the same concept. Like, you know, you have an A student, but you still want to get a call from a teacher every now and then. It says, you know what? Thank you for, you know, your child is a joy to have in the class because I know when I give them this assignment, there are things that they will do and they will help others. Like, you just want to hear what, not only what kind of grades they're making, but who is my child? Like, what character traits are they possessing? Like, what are you teaching them in their ability that you've seen that they are able to take on more? You know, where are we meeting our students? Where are we talking about these things that they find joy in? And you calling me as a parent and say, you know what? Now, have you ever thought about putting your child in 
robotics. I've watched them put something together in two minutes and I think there's a missing point because something came alive when they were able to do those things. And so those are what I'm saying, the touch points of why we keep talking about this parental involvement, but we can't, the school district can't keep asking for parental involvement, but one, well, you're not gonna go where the parents are, but two, you're not going to <laughs> be hospitable to parents in the process in which you bring them in. And three, again, with no judgment. Like anytime we got to put a rule in a, a rule in place that says, parents, you can't come into the school with these bonnets on. Parents, you can't come to school with house shoes on. Parents, you can't come to school with whatever they think is, you know, whatever's being seen. Because we have a morality clause. We have a decorum here that we, we abide by. Well, here's the thing, teacher. You can't tell the teachers that they can't, you know, parents can't come with bonnets when your teacher's all on Facebook at the club with drinks in their hands and, and working these night shifts. Like everything had, if that is the case, the expectation is, I don't think, and again, that was a long time argument about the bunnies. And as you can see, if you ever walk outside right now, everybody has on a bunny. You know what? They even have a cartoon about the bunny. Why? Because bunnies mean, mean something to women who wear them. And I mean, I wear a bunnet every night. You know, I had an old school mama that said, take that off when you go outside. But I mean, bunnies are nothing new. That's what we have. We wrap our hair. And so in the process, what does the school understand about that? Because what you're saying is, yeah, you're good enough to send your child here so we can get this ADA and get this paycheck. But the way you present yourself is not good enough. So you need to correct that because you're sending a bad message to the kids, even though we get money from you every time your child get here because they actually pay our checks. Ooh, it gets real when we start <laughs> in a whole again. Yeah, accountability. I don't know if they really want to talk about that money part. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, ooh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's, <laughs> it's accountability, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong. Please understand, I'm not saying yeah. one is right. But in totality, when we're asking one side to do the other, we had the other side has to say, "What am I willing to give up?" Yeah, that, that that's it. That, I mean, or what am I willing to do more of? Yeah, I. The, the goal is to talk about parenting, but she just touched on something when it comes to that, that ADA and that money. Um, and a lot of times that part is forgotten. The business part about how you're handling that parent's child um, and that parent's child is what actually keeps us all employed. Uh, but the biggest thing is the relationship with the parents. And that's where a lot of us have dropped the ball. We can we could talk about you know, a pandemic, but I think even before, and I didn't think, I know before the pandemic, we were already having disconnects. Um, there are certain school districts that used to do community walks before schools started so that you could get an understanding of the community that you, you, you're you servicing because most people don't live in those communities anymore. So therefore your understanding of parenting has changed. Right. You forget that there are communities where parenting looks one way, but in your neighborhood, it looks another way. And then you go to a, another community looks totally different. So when you have expectations as an educator of what parenting is, you need to know what parenting looks like for the kids who are being parented. First of all, as a parent, we, we, we want to know a lot of times, what do you want from us? We know you want our kids here. We want our kids educated by you, but what do you want from us? And like I said earlier, I think that the disconnect is most school districts or most educators, if, even if you don't have a school district that, that has a standard of how to address certain things. If you're a teacher who's concerned or caring, which is not a terrible thing to still be, be a very care. I'm, I'm a very caring person when it comes to kids, period. But I know that 
if I can reach their parents, I can get anything done with those kids, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. So once I have parents, be it a father or a mother on my team, I can get those kids to do anything. And those parents will do anything because they know I love their kids just like they do. Parenting is a hard thing. I have two adult kids and I'm still parenting. It doesn't go away. The problem I think a lot of us in education tend to forget is that parenting is probably the hardest job that you're gonna have in your lifetime. And there's no manual that comes with it. No matter what you do, you're not going to do it right. But as an educator, we have to say, where do we meet these parents? And I know we're all tired. Everybody's tired. That That's, that's without saying I'm tired, but that's part of who we are as educators. It is a social service job, like being a CPS, being a police officer. These are those jobs that you don't, like they used to say, you don't see the reward until that child graduates and comes back and say, I love you, Miss D. I miss what you did for me at Hulsey. I see you. And I've seen it. I've seen it and I've experienced it myself. But a lot of that comes from you taking the time to build those bridges with those parents. You know, I've seen situations where parents have sat in front of the teachers and said, I don't know what to do. I don't have the skills that you're telling me I should have. So then as a person who knows how to scaffold information, give them some of the skills that you have and let them work with that with their children at home. A lot of times we get kids from households that the parents didn't have parenting skills taught to them. They didn't see them, but we have expectations of them. And we forget that because we no longer live in those communities. And we have to start looking back and saying, you know what? This is what I need to start looking at. What is going on in John John or Cindy's household? Or how can I go and sit with the mom and or the dad or whomever, uncle or grandma, whoever the guardian is, and have a conversation to just get a feel and say, hey, let's start with one expectation. What is your expectation from me? What is your expect what is my expectation from you? And y'all start holding each other accountable so that the child can be successful. A lot of times in our process of being parents mm -hmm. in education. We forget the main thing, which is the child. And even with educators, we forget the main thing a lot of times is the child. No matter what, the end result is the child. Go ahead. I see that mouth open over there. <laughs> no, that's what it is, though. It is. And I think I don't think people understand that, you know, so for parents, right? I'm gonna say this. Because teachers have this right, right? Like the kids come to school, they have on the best tennis shoes, oh, so they have on the best clothes, so they don't have pencil, paper, backpack, all of these things. Or oh, they didn't do a homework, they couldn't see sight words. And, and you know what, parents, it's, it, it really is this simple. Let, let me explain to you how simple it is. Every time you buy your baby another pair of J's, make sure that if they are anywhere between uh, pre-K and second grade, they should be able to spell the, the brand name of the shoes that are on their feet. They should be able to spell and tell you the color that they're wearing. They should be able to identify all the colors in there. See, that takes you, that, that costs you nothing. Like at the end of the day, you're like, what color are your shoes? And they should be able to say it. So tell me what letter that is. Because in order for them to spell that, that means you have to have some type of involvement with them. Because, you know, teacher said, well, we had Sesame Street and we had all these other things on Disney Channel. Like TV shouldn't be raising your kids either. Now, at the lower level, it is conversation. And I'm going to say it again, it is conversation. Mm -hmm. If you are not in there asking your students, it, at the least, how was your day? Yeah. 
You know why we can't do it? Because nobody else grown is, is affirming us and asking us how our day is. But you can be better than that. You can, you can instill that in your child. You can, did you know that if you just hug for one minute, if you hug for one minute, you would have peace in your house. It's, it's research out there that says that hugs, because again, when you hug someone, you release the defense. So things that we're heightened up on. So again, and I know we can't do it because we don't get hugs ourselves because the world won't allow us to have the hugs. You know why? Because somebody felt us as a child when we had to go out here and work these two to three jobs when I should have been in here trying to figure this thing out. But nobody's really pushing me there. They just had me in a system saying, you just need to graduate. But nobody cared about the child that I was there. So I don't know how to give that back. And here's the thing, parents understand this on the lower level. So I'm not trying to just make put everyone in that uh into that bucket. But there are people out there that live in that bucket. But then the other part of it, I remember just when parents used to come in my room and we would have parent-teacher conference. And you know, I had a list of questions that I wanted them to ask me. Like I, it was 10 questions mm -hmm. that I just wanted them to ask. They could choose any of the questions they wanted to ask. So they didn't have to go in there waiting for me to tell them something. I wanted them to ask me so they could see that I had already researched a child. I've been doing the data. Like I needed them to ask me, where did my, where is my, what is the, uh, what is the projection for my student's performance on this state accountability test? And I should be able to say, you know what, right now, your baby is probably performing at a D, but here's the plan of action. Like if we're not having these type of conversations, parents will never feel comfortable about sending their kid. Why? Because the moment you tell me my child act up and I ask you what his grades are and if he's going to pass star, and you tell me, no, he's not going to pass nothing because he don't sit down. <laughs> he don't sit down. Wait a minute. Okay. Sitting down is, is equivalent to passing a test? Now, if sitting down actually was equivalent to passing the test, I think the, <laughs> I think we would all be geniuses in the school system. Correct. And we have kids who sit down every day. So parent involvement is much more than just trying to say it's I, when I call you, when I need you and I call you, you need to be there. Yeah, I, um, I knew we had some similarities. <laughs> I didn't know quite I, the same thing. I used to um, have a not a list of 10 questions. But I would ask the parents, ask me anything you think you need to know that I'm going to try to do my best to make your child better than the way I got them. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, what you mean, Mr. Poole? And I said, what do you think I should be doing to help your child be successful in my class and as a person? And they used to ask me, why are you worried about him being a person? I said, that's probably the most important thing for me is the civic aspect and the humanitarian person in them. But what I learned was a lot of the parents didn't think along those lines. So I think about a lot of things that I used to hear growing up as a kid. And I just did my mother and I, my mother, I'm my only child. My mother's always been um, very instrumental, even though she was hard as nails about me doing certain things. And when she would cook, I would sit at the kitchen table. And there were things that she didn't know, but even when she didn't know it, she made sure that I still did my best at whatever it was. And I was never a good student, but based on her parenting skills, she learned that from my grandmother, which I found out. Whenever we got home, we would sit down and have conversation while she was taking off her clothes and putting on her moo moo. Um, we would be walking around the house. No TV would come on at least for the first 30 to 40 minutes. But now you have so much disconnect. And as a parent, what I realized was kind of what Dee was saying, it's about that connection. It wasn't a hug initially, but 
I felt more connected about doing what was right or being engaged in what my parent wanted me to do as far as my education because we spent a lot of time doing those types of things. And it was important for me because I wasn't a great student and I've never been a great student. I've just been a cool dude, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is as a parent, you really don't have a whole lot of leeway to not be in the space with your child. Just like she said, if you're gonna spend money on something, make sure your child at least knows what it is. So that when that teacher asks them certain questions, they can say, well, at least they did know this. But what we're getting a lot of times, and I and I do spend a lot of time defending parents, but I'm gonna defend teachers right now. I do get where they're coming from. How's that you spend so much money, but yet you're not spending that same amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's really what they're saying. They're not really concerned about the things themselves. Their thing is, you invested in this, but you're not really, from their perspective, investing in your child. Right. And that's what they want is the same amount of investment. Right. They want to be able to see it. They don't want to feel like they're the only ones pouring into your child right. to make them what we consider a whole person that will be viable in this society. That's all that it is. So as a parent, the main goals you should have is not making sure your child has the latest as far as things, but maybe the latest as far as knowledge or the latest, latest as far as skill set on how to attain certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were kids, like she said, we had Sesame Street, we had Zoom, we had Reading Rainbow, um, but then we did have books. We did have parents that asked us questions. We did have uh, study time. We did have time. When I got to about the sixth, seventh grade, I was reading the newspaper, reading the comics, whatever it's the like case was. That part. Um, <laughs> I had National Geographic. My mother bought all of them. I still have some of them. That's why I love history now. But now you have where you're not spending that time. You're thinking they're supposed to get it from TV or they're supposed to get it from their phone. They're supposed to get it with you. And they're supposed to be able to come back to school with what you've exposed them to and what you've taught them. Right. And that's what teachers are actually saying. When are you gonna bring us that product that we don't have to develop from zero, we can start at five and go from right. five to 10. Right. That's what they're saying. Right. And so here's, a, here's another um, activity. For every dollar that you spend, make your child invest that in something that is school related. You spend two hundred dollars on your students, then that's two hundred minutes that they probably owe you back into school time. Something focused on reading, something focused on something of development-wise of who they are, and having to support your student that way. And so there's always exit. You know, there's always room that we can add in, and you don't have to worry about that. You can, if it's two hundred minutes, and they should be able to count to two hundred. <laughs> little things right little things become big things but you know i think this whole thing is should parents get report cards based off of parental involvement if we did we know that in many of the school districts it would be disjointed we know they would be subjective sure. and what it would do is the data would be telling because it probably would identify a lot of same things that we argue now, right? Race, demographics, socioeconomic status, all those things will come into play. And so that's what we're talking about today. It doesn't have to be because of small things, the things that you invest in that time and just what Pooh said, where you invest in that time, invest the same time over in your child's education. Because ultimately the same hustle that you're on as a parent where you're saying you don't have time, you shouldn't want that for your child. You shouldn't want that hustle life for your child. 
And so if that is what you are bringing your child into, know that again, as a parent, that is your right, but understand that it's not your child's journey and ultimately it's not your decision that they will make, but it could be the decision if it's a negative decision that will impact who they become. And that's on you, parent. That's on you. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's it. Our biggest thing, especially for this basic podcast, is not to just be in here ranting and talking. It's, it's for these tidbits. And I think that as parents, it has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with color. Mm -hmm. It has to do with us as parents in this country realizing that, hey, we have to spend more time investing in our kids so that when they do go into the school, they go in prepared. The teachers can say, you know what? Let me call this parent and say, thank you for sending this child with this information. And then that teacher and those parents can, can actually align with one another and get in the same space on what they need to do to keep moving that child forward. That's, that's really what it boils down to. We're coming out of a pandemic, a global pandemic, and everybody's tired. I mean, everybody's I hadn't been in a classroom in five years. I've been in a class every day, three weeks before spring break. We've been back out of spring break in two days after spring break because we have a shortage of people, not necessarily not in the profession, but just tired and not coming to the profession. Right. And we have to keep right. that in mind as parents too. So like I said earlier, if you can raise your hand and say that you take off to live your best life and you can raise your hand to say you went somewhere for six or seven days for your birthday, I need you to raise your hand and say, you know what? I got into the, the uh, volunteer portal or the sub portal to come up here and support these teachers. You know what? We may do a little community group thing where we start taking these kids to the uh, to the uh, the museum so they can have a little bit more cultural understanding and have conversation when they have a sit down time in the classroom, whatever the case may be, help cultivate these kids so that they're more focused on what the teachers are having expectations for them. Right. That's it. So in closing, parent involvement is actually free. You spend it when they're at home with you on Saturdays and Sundays and all the summers and all the holidays. Yeah. and during spring break and Christmas and Thanksgiving break. But know that a teacher is always in support of your child. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to figure out how to communicate better, how to become better advocates for our children by showing up not only when it's bad, but showing up when it's good. Because when they see that you're there, they can't say anything less when they don't produce the results that you wanted them to do for your child as well, because they have a job to do that you hold them accountable to. So with that, it has been a pleasure talking about this today. And so you have tuned in with the school team with Pool and D. I'm Stephen Poole. And I am Andy. Who <laughs> <laughs> should be off with this video today, but we're going we gonna to make it do what it do. I'm enjoying this. Thank you all. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye-bye. School safety can only happen when the policies are implemented. Let's follow the process. Protect our kids.